it has been quite a journey so far through the book of Ruth. If you've been with us, uh, it's, been, it's been fun going through and seeing God's hand over Ruth and Naomi. Seeing God's hand as He is bringing all these things together. One of the big themes that we talked about in the book of Ruth was the providence of God. That God is working all things. He's sovereign, so that means He has the rights over everything. But His providence is how He works all these things out. And what's interesting is really, except for the first chapter and a little bit of what we're going to see today, God's kind of been in the background. The text hasn't mentioned a lot of the Lord doing things directly. It's been more in the background of how He's working all these things together. And in fact, it's actually used some phrasing that would make us think sometimes, as luck would have it. And the encouragement that I had for you there was to remember that that is the providence of God. There's no such thing as luck. We've been traveling with Ruth and Naomi as they came back from Moab. Again, remember the place. This is where God's enemies lived. And this is where Naomi and her family went to. They left the house of bread and the place of praise where they should have stayed. But a famine came, if you'll remember, and they went to Moab to where God's enemies were. And the sons ended up marrying these two Moabite women, which again was not what they were supposed to do unless they had converted first. But through this, we see that Ruth that God has graciously brought Ruth to become a believer. And Ruth comes back with Naomi. And we've seen how they come back in Ruth. We've seen the character of Ruth and how she went to work in the fields. And it just so happened that as she was there working in these fields, that it happened to be this field of Boaz. And we saw again the, the hand of God as he was working in Boaz, a man of God. Again, remember the context. This is the book of Judges. The time of the book of Judges. And this was a dark time in Israel's history. Again, everybody, I've said it before, everybody was doing what? Can you help me? What was right in their, in their own eyes. That's what they were doing all the time. And there were a few, and every once in a while, the Lord would raise up judges to deliver Israel from the discipline, from the judgment that was on them. And then they would repent, and then they would fall back into it, and then He would bring another judge. But during this time of darkness, we find this godly man, Boaz. We talked about last week, which was a little interesting at times, Naomi's advice to Ruth of what to do. And she went to Boaz on the threshing floor and laid down at his feet at night and uncovered his feet. And we saw that she was crying out to Boaz to redeem her. Well, today we're going to look at what Boaz does. Does he... Does he actually follow through with what he said? Is he a man of his word? A worthy man, as the text says? Or does he say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then he either doesn't do it, or he just waits a really long time. Because again, both are wrong. The right thing is what we're going to see Boaz do. And that's the type of people, the type of men we need to be. So let's jump into it. We're going to go through it verse by verse like we do together. And let's see how this story plays out, because I'm certain none of you have ever read this story before, and none of you read ahead, so. No, of course you have. But let's look at it together. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and he sat down. Now remember, just before this in chapter 3, Naomi had just said to Ruth, If you look at verse 18, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, 
for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Naomi knew the character of Boaz. So Boaz gets up from the threshing floor, and it says that he, excuse me, heads up to the gate. Again, like I said before, they'd go down, they'd go out of the city to the threshing floor. Now he's going back up to the gate. So this gives us, we know that this is the first thing he's doing. He got up and he's going to take care of it immediately. Again, an encouragement for us as we look at the character of Boaz. He goes up to the gate and he sat down there. He's going up and he's going to wait. We don't know if there's a planned time that this other guy's going to come through, but you know what? This is the most important thing for Boaz to do. So he's going to go and he's going to sit and wait. But what's interesting is, as we've seen God's providence work throughout this time, he goes up and he sits down and look, and behold! That there is supposed to kind of be in that same realm of, and wouldn't you know it, it was just amazing that the Redeemer came by at that very moment. It's that same idea of God's providence as he's working all these things out. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken. Okay, I love this. You have to see this. Do you remember all the names that we've talked through throughout the story? We have, and the names and the meanings behind these names. We've had Boaz and Naomi, Elimelech, we have Ruth, all these different things. And then we have the Redeemer. That's going to be important. Hold on to the fact that that's, he's just referred to as this. Whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and he sat down. Boaz says, hey, we sit down, we need to have a talk. Guess what? Boaz is the type of man with the type of character, reputation, that when Boaz says, hey, I need to talk with you, people go, yes, sir. Okay, what do we need to talk about? That's the type of man Boaz is. He has that reputation. He's respected, well-known. And then he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Again, all of God's providence, the elders around. Now realize that the gate is a very common place for people to be meeting. It's an important part of the, the city. It's where kind of like the, the city hall would be, maybe the courtroom, these type of things. That's going to be the most important place. So it's not bizarre that there's people around, but it, it shows that this is the place where this needs to happen. Boaz needs to have this conversation. You know what? He doesn't need to do it in an alleyway somewhere else behind where nobody knows. He doesn't need to kind of be secretive about things. Boaz is the type of guy who's going to say, we're going to do this and we're going to do it right and we're going to get everybody here and we're going to have a conversation. Even if the conversation is hard, we still need to have it because it's the right thing to do. We can learn from that. Sometimes there's conversations we don't like to have, we don't want to have, we're fearful to have. It doesn't matter if it's what's right, then we need to do it and we need to have those conversations. We can learn that. So it's, it's, it's not bizarre that it's at the city gate, but what is great is that these elders are there and he says, we're going to have witnesses for this. We're going to do this the right way. He could have run off and married Ruth another way. He could have taken advantage of her the night before. She was a foreigner. Now, Boaz is a man of character who loves God. As we've said before, he's a worthy man. He's going to do things the right way. He's going to talk to the other guy who has first rights, if you will. And then he's going to talk to the elders. He's going to get everybody there so that way it's done right. An encouragement for us. Sit down here. And they sat down. So verse 3, Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling a parcel of land that belonged to our relative, Elimelech. Now, don't think that he doesn't know this guy. They're from the same clan. They're they're from the same family. He knows this guy. He even would know this guy's name, I'm sure. He's not referring to him by his name. Let me me suggest something to you here. What we're going to see with the character of the Redeemer from now on, we're going to just call him Mr. No-Name because he's not important. 
because he decided, as we're going to see, to react in a way that was not godly. Mr. No Name. So he's explaining the situation. He's, he's adding all the details. He's not hiding anything back as Boaz is explaining it. Not trying to you know, keep some parts secret when we're doing business. Maybe not tell the full truth about it. Kind of hide some things so that way it makes it look, you know, oh, well, this isn't a very good deal for me. No, I don't want it. And then that way you're thinking, well, I'll just hide some of this stuff and I'll keep this deal for myself. He's not doing that. He's putting everything out there because he trusts God ultimately and he knows that the Lord will work these things out. He's not hide- Boaz isn't hiding anything. She's selling the parcel of land. Ultimately, truthfully, Naomi didn't, probably didn't have rights to be able to sell this land in the sense of just sell it to somebody else. What it means most likely is that it's the rights to the land, meaning that it can be worked. And one thing is when the land, if the land was you know, going to be sold or anything like this, it's interesting that the land that was given to Israel, each section was supposed to stay within the clan and the tribe. And so what happened is even if you sold out the rights to use the land or you did do some type of sale, the Lord provided the year of Jubilee. Have you ever heard of that? The year of Jubilee? Ultimately, after 50 years, it would come back to the tribe anyway. Okay, It would come back even if you sold it or you sold the rights to it. You'd get it back anyway because that's part of how God designed it. But if you needed money or something like that, then you could sell off the rights. And that looks more like what Naomi's doing. She's just selling off the rights, surrendering those rights, if you will, to get some money probably to live. So here's where Boaz is, verse 4. So I thought I would tell you of it. Buy it in the presence of all those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. And if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know. There is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. He says, listen, this is how it's supposed to be done. You're the next one in line, okay? We talked about there are these, these rules. If you'll go back, if you flip over to Deuteronomy 25 with me real quick. Deuteronomy 25, specifically, we're gonna just, I want to read this to you out of verse 5, starting in verse 5. Deuteronomy 25, verse 5. This is the laws concerning the leveret marriage. If brothers dwell together, listen to this, if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of the husband's brother to her, of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother. That is, that is his name may not be blotted out of Israel. This is where this idea is coming from that we're talking about today. And if a man does not wish to take his brother's wife, okay, so this the situation exists, have a brother, He dies, so then I'm supposed to come in and I'm supposed to take his wife. And so that way his name will continue on. If I desire not to do that, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of his husband's brother to me. So she's going saying, Hey, he's supposed to do this. Going to the leaders of of the village and saying, He's not willing to do it. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. And if he persists, saying, I do not wish to take her. Okay, so he's, there's, they're going to go and try to convince him. This is the right thing to do. You should do this. Be clear. This is what should be done. You should do this. Now listen to what she gets to do. <laughs> then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders and pull his sandal off of his, spo- his foot and spit in his face. <laughs> wow. Showing of dis- that he's, he, he's being disrespected because he ha- he's handling himself in a dishonorable way. He's being treated that way because he's not being a man as he should be. He should do what's right. Okay? 
And she shall answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house, and the name of his house shall be called Israel, the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. All right, so now go back over to Ruth. I want you to realize that that's the idea of what's happening here. And this, this redeemer, Mr. No Name, he may not be the exact brother, but in the spirit of this law, he should go and he should fulfill this duty. This is what he should do. He's the next one in line. Boaz is saying, hey, you should do it. Go ahead. If you want to redeem it, redeem it. I'm telling you everything. I'm telling you what comes with it. Mr. No Name had no desire to go do this himself, right? This, he didn't take any initiative in this. This is Boaz, the one saying, hey, this should be done. You should do this. So let's see how, what Mr. No Name says. Boaz says, I come after you. And he said, oh, I'll redeem it. Ah, if you can explain it like that to me, that sounds good. I'll redeem it. I get the land that she's selling, the rights to the land. I'm going to be able to make good money off of this. I'll do it. Sounds good. Oh, my goodness. Did Boaz's plan backfire? Is he not going to get to be with Ruth? I mean, he trusted the Lord. He said, hey, if you want to do it, redeem her or redeem the land. Maybe this isn't going to work out. The story that we've been following, what can we ever do? Can we trust that God is good and he's going to work this out? Let's see. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his own inheritance. You get this field, and again, what has everyone been talking about with Ruth? Is she someone that, oh, she's a terrible person, nobody likes her? No, we've talked about before. Her name has spread all around the gates. Everyone knows about Ruth, that she's a godly woman who's working hard, but she still is a foreigner. Sometimes there may be people that are very godly. They love the Lord, they work hard, they're just different than us. We don't treat them the way that we should just because they're different. Something to think about. But whatever the reason is, this guy... Let's see how Mr. No Name responds. Then the Redeemer said, Oh, whoa! This is how I picture it. It's not in the text. This is how I picture it. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Uh, take my right to redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Mr. So-and-so, also known as Mr. Selfish. He's not going to do something that could possibly hurt his scenario. He's not going to give up something, perhaps, for Ruth and Naomi. No, no. If it's just the field making some money, I'm in. I'm all for that. Oh, it's going to cost me something? No. I'm not doing that. Question, because I love you. If I don't ask you, who will? Is that our attitude sometimes? Oh, I'll get involved at the church, outside, whatever. I'll get involved. There's something in it for me, ultimately. But if it's going to cost me something, nah, I can't be having that. Just a question. Ask God's Spirit to probe your heart. Maybe we do this sometimes and we don't really realize it as well. Take my right of redemption yourself. I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off a sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner in attesting in Israel. What's interesting, what I love about Scripture is, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning, guess what? The things that we need to know are in Scripture. Get the details. 
Apparently, the time of this writing, remember, this, this happened during the, 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 the time of the judges, but apparently this was written quite a time after because, again, we're going to see this genealogy that comes later. And so we know this is written a time. So this, this practice doesn't exist anymore at the time of the time that this was written either. Doesn't, this practice doesn't exist for us either. Take off a sandal and give it to somebody. Well, that's weird. Okay? So that explains it to us so that way we know what's going on. Verse 8, so when the Redeemer said to the other, oh, I'm sorry, so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off a sandal. And now Mr. No Name is gone from the story. That's it. This story has been talked about for thousands of years. Ruth. Boaz, Naomi even, God, and Mr. No-Name, because he would not be a man. He would not be a godly man, a worthy man who would follow God and do what was right. And he's forgotten. That's not the type of people we want to be. God knows our names. He gives us these names. He loves us, and he wants us to obey him. Again, obedience not so that he'll love us. Don't obey me so then I'm going to love you. No, I already love you in Christ Jesus, so now you're free to obey me. And that's what Boaz is doing. He's obeying. <clears throat> then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, look at this, right? He called, who'd he call? He called Mr. No Name and ten elders to have a conversation. Here's everybody else. What's going on over here? All right, people knew about this story. Everyone's getting involved. Oh, wow, this is, this is interesting. Oh, Boaz, okay, yeah, he's, Boaz is doing something. This is going to be important. Let's pay attention. All the people are coming now. And they're seeing that Boaz is acting in a godly way. Again, Boaz isn't doing it because other people are watching him. He's doing it because he fears the Lord. But look how his good works are starting to spread already. All the way to the point where, as we talked about before, one of the pillars of Solomon's temple named Boaz. Boaz. Mr. No Name. It's very easy, easy to see. Okay, let's continue. He calls everyone. You are witnesses this day. I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Lemelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. Malon. I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. He doesn't hide anything. He says, I'm going to do this in front of God's people. I'm going to do it the right way. And what's interesting is even the name of the dead who left Bethlehem, they left and went to Moab. Right? Sickly, we talked about them. Sickly and puny. Even they're going to get to be remembered because of Ruth's faithfulness and Boaz's faithfulness. Mr. No Name, nothing. It's incredible. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, listen, can you imagine this? Maybe a group this size. Maybe we had the ten you know, elders of the land over here and we're having this conversation. Now everyone's come in together. Listen to these blessings that people give. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. It's interesting that there's not, there's some debate on is there actually a real yes in Hebrew? Like a, just a yes, like we have it. Um, some say there is, some say there isn't a clear one. And so a lot of times you'll see when there's affirmations, it's repeating 
something else. So yes, kind of like, we're witnesses saying the same thing as yes, but it's just a side note for those of you who like that type of thing. Okay. May the Lord, listen to this blessing, may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up, built up the house of Israel. Stop there for a sec. You remember Rachel and Leah? Israel, Jacob, his name's changed, he marries, and the 12 tribes come from them. So they're blessing and saying, may, just as God has used Rachel and Leah, may he also use Ruth to build up Israel through someone that's going to come, a child. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. Talking to Boaz. May you continue to be a worthy man. May you continue to lead your wife well. May you continue to be a godly man and be known throughout. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This is interesting. This is very interesting if you know your Old Testament. Come tonight, and we're going to talk specifically about this. I'll just, that's a little teaser. But I will say this Judah, his relationship with Tamar is what's very interesting, and it comes at an interesting time. We're going through the narratives in the book of Genesis, and we see this about Joseph, 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 and then there's this story that if you've read it, you're like, that's strange. That's uncomfortable. But ultimately, why God leaves that in there is because it shows his faithfulness to keep his promises. Because through Judah, do you remember who was supposed to come from Judah? The tribe of Judah? Anyone help me out? The lion of the tribe of Judah? See, part of the prophecy was supposed to go through that the the coming one, the seed all the way back in Genesis 3, the seed of Eve, the promises, the, the seed of Abraham, who would be a blessing to all nations, is supposed to come from this line of Judah as well. And so this story, this very strange story that we'll talk about tonight, is how God works to continue that line so that the Messiah would come. He keeps that going. So what they're saying ultimately is, in such a way, the way that Judah and Tamar, by having Perez in his house, would lead for many nations or for many generations to the Savior, or at this point, to David, may that also be the case. For you. That's part of that blessing. We'll talk more about that tonight if you come. So, in 13, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Notice the ordering. So, Boaz took Ruth. This idea of, and she became his wife, this idea, it actually entails, they, they, they had a ceremony of some sort with the people there, with these witnesses, and actually that idea of kind of carrying through the threshold of the home. That's kind of wrapped up in, in, in the Hebrew there. And then he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception. Okay? The ordering is important there. And what's important is, where does her conception come from? Do you remember that she was married for 10 years before? And she never had a child. The Lord's done that before as well in Scripture, and he's done that in, our, in many of our lives. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. We don't always understand that. But what we do see is it does come from the Lord, and he's decided, because now this is going to be tied to Judah, the way God has worked all this together, it's going to be tied to Judah, the promises that the Messiah should come, and so he gives conception, he gives the next 
child to come, so that way there can be a string of children all the way to the Messiah. The Lord does that. And she bore a son. Verse 14, Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may His name be renowned in Israel. Can you remember Naomi in the beginning? Do you remember how she went, lost her husband, lost her sons? She came back, and what did she say? I came back empty? I've got nothing, Lord. Right? And she was bitter. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I'm bitter. And look how God has taken this thing full circle for her. And He has provided Boaz, this Redeemer, to look out for her through Ruth. And now, the people are talking about Naomi again. Blessed be the Lord. Blessing the Lord, of course. He has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may His name be renowned in Israel. We were talking about that because ultimately part of our memory verse with that is that there switches from Boaz, who's a type of Redeemer. He's a type that we talked about. He redeems Ruth. But this is talking about the Son that comes. This is talking about the Son that comes. Obed. But it's through Obed that we see the line go all the way to David, who's definitely known throughout all of Israel, and then to the greater David, Jesus, who's known throughout all of Israel and all the world. That's part of what that means in that fulfillment of that Redeemer that phrase. Almost done here. And he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Do you remember she lost her sons? That's kind of a mean thing to say. But the way that God has worked, the loving kindness that Ruth has shown to Naomi as a believer, someone who didn't give up. And that's word for seven there. Again, seven in the scriptures, normally completion. You could be full of just you could be full of sons. But Naomi means more to you because of the way God has used her in your life. Because she is a godly woman who fears the Lord and she has treated you with such of that hesed, that loving kindness. He loves you so much that He gave you Ruth, which was better than all these sons. And let me tell you today, church, that I don't know all your situations as far as your family outside, your, your, your blood family. I don't know if they're alive. I don't know if they're dead. I don't know if you know them if you don't. But let me tell you this. Some of us are born into great blood families and they love the Lord and that's great. But here's the thing. Even if you don't have a great situation as far as your blood family, you, the Lord loves you enough that He shows you loving kindness by giving you a spiritual family who loves you. I love you. We love you and we're growing in our love together, this loving kindness. He blesses us this way. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Do you think she's excited to be able to take care of him? It's incredible. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They name him Obed, which means server or provider. I think through him, the Messiah will be provided, maybe. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now here's where the story that's been so focused on Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, it's been focused in, we're seeing it. Sometimes we just see the providence of God over it, kind of like my shadow, my hand's here, but the shadow's down there. We don't really see it all. Sometimes we're seeing the shadows of God working. And now here's where the story pans out. Okay, zoomed in, and now it's panning way back. Because now what the author wants to show us now is how 
what God is doing in our lives and in Ruth's life is so much greater than we realize. Sometimes we get so focused and we don't see it. He's doing so much. And he pans out to show us. Listen how it ends. Now these are the generations from Perez, who we're going to talk about tonight, how God worked in an amazing way to keep the, the seed, the line of the Messiah coming. He fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David, the king. What's interesting is in the time of Judges, in this dark time, God lays the foundation for the first king to come, Saul ultimately, but David to come, which also lays the foundation for the king of kings to come in the darkest time, maybe, of Israel's history. 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7. I want to finish with this. Listen, starting in verse 12. 2 Samuel 7, starting in verse 12. Listen to what God's covenant with David is. Okay, David who comes from Boaz, who comes from Obed, okay? Listen to this, this, this here. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body. That's part of that. It has to come from David's line. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. What that is is a prophecy about Jesus who would come from the line of David and that his throne would be established forever. The author has panned back and said, look at all these ways that I've been working and it just so happens as Ruth was working, it was in Boaz's field and it just so happens that they came back at the right time of the year when the, the barley harvest was coming. It just so happens all these things are happening and he pans back to say, actually this is all part of my plan for the Messiah to come and save all of humanity. When you're looking at your lives, friends, I know we get focused in on it, and that's okay. We see what's going on. But don't forget to pan back and see that you are part of God's overall plan, and He loves you, and He cares for you, and He shows you loving kindness just like He has Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. And our role is to continue to show loving kindness to one another as we worship Him. Let's continue to do that. I'm thankful to walk through the book of Ruth with you. I pray it's been a blessing. Come tonight, we'll talk a little bit more about it. And next week, we'll jump into something new. Let me close in prayer now. (coughs) Father, as we finish up the book of Ruth, there are so many interesting things that you've showed us, Lord. Ultimately, the most important things is how you have redeemed Ruth. If you have redeemed Naomi, Lord, you're showing us how you redeem all of us. It's by your loving kindness through the perfect birth, perfect life, 
sacrificial death on the cross in our place for our sins and how after three days you rose Jesus for our justification. It's believing in that. That's the true redemption. Lord, we are thankful for the life of Boaz, but we are thankful for Jesus who's the greater Boaz. We're thankful for Obed who is a, to be a redeemer, but we're thankful for the great redeemer, which is your son. I pray now for anybody that's in here, Lord, as we have our time of invitation, if they do not know you, if they do not have a relationship with you, if they have not cried out to you to seek shelter under your wings, to be redeemed by you, I pray that today they would do that. They can pray where they are, they can come down, and we can pray together. Father, we're thankful that we've seen how Ruth is a woman of character. She fears you. She loves you. How Boaz is a man of God who fears you, loves you. How Naomi has has turned. She's repented from her old ways. And she is blessing your name and she is thankful. We're thankful for the loving kindness we see between these characters. We pray that you would help us to have this loving kindness. I pray today as we're thinking, Lord, about our lives, about the way we're interacting. Help us to repent if we need to of ways that we have not been treating each other well. Help us to repent from these things. Ask for forgiveness and move forward with loving kindness towards one another. Help us to trust in you and and pull back and see ultimately that things look really hard sometimes and they look bleak at other times like it did for Naomi and Ruth. But if we take shelter under your wings, Lord, we will be okay ultimately. Help us to pan back and see that you are working even when we can't see it. You are working things together for our good and for your glory. We love you. I thank you for my friends that are here today. I pray that we would respond the way you'd have us respond. In Jesus' name, amen.